All right, very good. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Second Sam. I'm sorry, First Samuel, chapter two. First Samuel, chapter two. Thank you for your patience, church, as we just shared that event with you here this morning. First Samuel, chapter two. I'm going to read verses eleven through eighteen. And before I do, let's pray and ask our Lord to bless the reading of His Word here today. Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless the reading of the Word of God here this morning. We thank you, God, for everyone that's here. We thank you, God, even for the challenges that we face. Because, Lord, we know that you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You're going to be with us in the battles, Lord. And we thank you for that. Bless now this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me read this section of Scripture. I'm going to be reading out of the, out of the New Living Translation. And it says this. Then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. The servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offered the sacrifice, uh, the man offering the sacrifice, uh, might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest." Okay, so we have been studying the life of a young boy named Samuel. For those of us that have been, those of you that have been with us the past few weeks, we started this Bible study in the life of a young man named Samuel. Samuel was the son of Elkanah and Hannah. Those were the names of his parents. And we learned that Samuel was a miracle child because he was born to Hannah, who had been barren or was not able to have children. Hannah was so excited when she got pregnant, so excited when uh, she found out that she was going to have a baby, so thankful and so grateful to God for answering her prayer and giving her a child that she burst forth with a song of praise and adoration unto Almighty God. And and for our benefit, uh, that song of praise and adoration is recorded in the scriptures, we read the song of praise and exaltation to God last Sunday in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we took time to examine all the powerful statements and declarations that Hannah makes about the greatness and the power of our God. And church, would you agree that our God is great and he is powerful? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Just the fact that we're even here today is a sign of his faithfulness. And we also learned that Hannah made a vow to God. As a result of her getting pregnant and having this child after being barren and not being able to have any children for so many years, she made a vow to God that if God would give her this child, she would dedicate the child to God and to God's service. 
So as soon as Samuel was potty trained and able to eat on his own, as much as Hannah loved her son Samuel, as much as she wanted to keep her son to herself, Hannah kept her vow to God and dedicated her son to the Lord. She and her husband Elkanah took the boy Samuel to Shiloh, the city where the Israelites would worship God, and they gave the boy, surrendered the boy over to Eli, the priest. Samuel was between two and four years of age when he was given to the priest. Samuel was now in the hands of Eli the priest. Samuel was no longer under the care of his parents. Samuel was now separated from his natural parents. Samuel was now separated from his mother and father, and he was to be raised by another family. Through no choice of his own, Samuel was now like an orphan child. Even though he had a mother, he had no mother. Even though he had a father, he had no father because now he, was, he belonged to another family. No brothers or sisters being raised by a family that was not his own. He is like so many orphan children that are in the world today. He is like so many foster children that are in the world today. Maybe they have their parents, but because of difficulties at home or tragedy at home or circumstances at home, the parents are not able to take care of them. And so now they become orphans or part of the foster care system. According to UNICEF, almost 10,000 children become orphans every day. Think about that. Every day. According to internationally accepted figures, there are at least 140 million orphans in the world today. And that's as of May 13th, 2020 of this year. In reference to foster kids in the USA, according to most recent federal data, there are currently more than 400,000 children in foster care just in the United States. They range in age from infants to 21 years old in some states. The average age of a child in foster care is more than 8 years old, and there are slightly more boys than girls in the foster care system. So for all of you listening right now that are orphans, or if you are a foster child, those of you that are even present here right now that are foster kids or or come from an orphanage, and, and you have either lost your parents or have been abandoned by your parents, or if you have been temporarily taken away from your parents' care, I want you to know that God does care about you. There is a God in heaven who cares about you. In spite of your circumstances, in spite of your crisis and your hurt and pain, God does care about you. And I want to encourage you with that here this morning. I want you to know that God sees your situation. God is real and he can help you if you call on him and cry out to him for help. None of this is your fault. It was not your choice to be in this situation. I know that God knows your isolation. He knows your hurt, your disappointment, your sense of abandonment and pain. Sadly, some of you are being treated very badly and at times neglected by a system that is supposed to protect you and provide for you. But I'm here to let you know and to challenge you to put your trust in Almighty God. In spite of your isolation, in spite of your pain, in spite of your unjust circumstances, put your trust in Almighty God. Cry out to him there is hope and a future with god now let me repeat the scriptures that commander mike macias always shares with our royal ranger boys and with the the youth of our church whenever he speaks to them as you know mike macias was a professor at the university of california here in northridge had had held a very high position he's retired now but he would always encourage our youth and our children he's still the leader of our royal ranger program we're so privileged to have him and his wife part of our of our church ministry here 
And he would always quote to the children and to the young people, Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is a scripture that I want to share with you listening online that are orphans or foster kids or those of you that are even present here. Or maybe you're already an adult, but you carry the scars and the pain of the foster system or orphanages in your heart. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking to you. This is God's word, and he is speaking to you as if you choose to put your trust in the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's why your best bet right now is to put your heart and your life in the hands of God. Because he promises you a future and a hope. And let me share with you what Commander Mike's wife, Gloria Macias, always shares with the kids in honor of her daughter, Kelly, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. She loves the scripture and she quotes it all the time. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you are go. I'm encouraging you. Get God on your team. Let him be part of your team and you will have success. You may not have your mother. You may not have your father. You may not have someone to to be there for you, but God can be there for you if you call on him. So again, let me remind you that a few months ago we had a study in the life of David who was a neglected child and yet he became a great follower of God. We studied the life of Joseph who was a favorite or favorite child in his family and yet he became a great follower of God. We studied the life of Josiah who came from a dangerously dysfunctional family and yet he became a great follower of God. We studied the life of uh, and now we're learning about the life of Samuel, Samuel who through no fault of his own, even though his parents were still alive, is like an orphan or a foster child because now he's living with another family that is not his own. He is completely at their mercy. Samuel is now under the care of Eli the priest and his family. Samuel is now at the mercy of Eli the priest and his family. Samuel's life was now the responsibility of Eli the priest. Now normally you would think that if a child was dedicated to a priest and his family, you would think in your mind, hey, that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. But sadly for Samuel, we're going to learn that it was actually a very bad thing. Because you see, the Bible tells us that Eli's sons were wicked. In the version of the Bible that we read today, it tells us that Eli's boys were scoundrels. Let me read 1 Samuel 2.12 from our text this morning. Again, it says this. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. Let me read what 1 Samuel 2.12 says in the New King James Version. It says this. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And then from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, it tells us why Eli's boys were so corrupt. We read that earlier this morning. As priests, they had the responsibility of properly offering the sacrifices to God on behalf 
of God's people. As members of the priesthood, they had the privilege of being provided for, cared for, and blessed with the offerings of God's people to the Lord. The priests and their families were given the right to eat the meats and grains that were offered as sacrifices to God. But there were very strict restrictions and instructions given to the priests of how this was to be done. One of the things that was forbidden of the many things we don't have time to go on into all the Levitical structure and, and, and restrictions and, and, and the dietary laws. But one of the things that was forbidden was the eating of the fat of the meats that were offered as sacrifices to God. Let me just read a few sections of scripture in the Levitical law, in the book of Leviticus, and uh, give you some information on that. In Leviticus 3.17, it says this, You must never eat any fat or blood. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 23. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. You must never eat fat, whether from cattle, sheep, or goats. Leviticus 7, 25. Anyone who eats fat from an animal presented as a special gift to the Lord will be cut off from the community. Leviticus chapter 7, verses 32 through 38. A little bit lengthy, but let me read it to you. It says this. Give the right thigh of your peace offering to the priest as a gift. The right thigh must always be given to the priest who offers the blood and the fat of the peace offering. For I have reserved the breast of the special offering and the right thigh of the sacred offering for the priest. It is a permanent right of Aaron and his descendants to share in the peace offerings brought by the people of Israel. This is their rightful share. The special gifts presented to the Lord have been reserved for Aaron and his descendants from the time they were set apart to serve the Lord as priests. On the day they were anointed, the Lord commanded the Israelites to give these portions to the priests as their permanent share from generation to generation. These are the instructions for the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, as well as the ordination offering and the peace offering. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai when he commanded the Israelites to present their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Now remember, as I read all this material Please remember that all of these laws no longer apply to you and I who are the people of God today because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the eternal Lamb of God. He became that eternal sacrifice who was slain for our sins and now through His pure and sinless life, through His death, and his resurrection because of the blood that was shed on the cross because of his body that was sacrificed on the cross he has fulfilled all the requirements of the law so we're free from that system but in the old testament the levitical law was in force and god demanded that it be followed by the priesthood are we all on the same page can you say amen church we're no longer under the new testament law the levitical law or the requirements all that's been fulfilled by Jesus. But in the Old Testament, where we're at right now, it was mandatory. And sadly, Eli's sons, who were the priests of Israel, were corrupt and they were rebellious and they disrespected the Levitical laws of God and they were sinning against God daily in the house of the Lord. Let me read 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 again. 
from our text this morning. It tells us how Eli's sons disrespected God's sacrifices, his offerings, but more importantly, how they disrespected God's instructions given in the Word of God. This is still a holy book, church, and we need to respect it. Listen to what it says here in verse 15, 1 Samuel chapter 2. It says, Sometimes a servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, No, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. So what was happening here? They were disobeying the word of the Lord. God said, hey, the meat is yours. You can have it. That's what the word of God says. That's what the law says. But you got to let the fat burn off first. You got to remove the fat first. Do not eat the meat. It is forbidden for you to eat the meat with the fat on it. And Eli's son said, we don't care what the Bible says. We don't care what God says. We don't care what the law says. We're going to do what we want to do. And we want the fat because it's juicy and it gives flavor and it tastes good. And I'm making all of you hungry right now because it's 12 o'clock noon and it's lunchtime. And we're talking about a good chunk of meat with some fat on it, roasted on the barbecue and yummy, yummy, yummy for our tummy. And you can't have any. There was something else that Eli's sons were guilty of. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says this. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the ta- entrance to the tent of meeting. The Bible tells us that Eli's sons were fornicating with the ladies of the church. And sadly, it was going on in the house of God. Going to church in Shiloh was like going to Las Vegas or Hollywood. If you went to church, you would lose your virginity. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? You went to church, you would lose your virginity. In Shiloh, because of Eli's sons who are corrupt. And I know that we have a lot of kids in here. Hopefully they don't even know what the heck I'm talking about right now. Now this is a thing. Listen to what the Bible tells us in our text found in 1 Samuel 2, verses 12 through 14. It says this. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. And the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever is brought up be given to Eli's sons. And then it says this, All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Verse 14 says this, All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Church, do you think that the people in the land of Israel were aware of what was going on in Shiloh with Eli's sons. Do you think the people of God in Israel knew what was going down? Yes, they did. 
They knew exactly what was happening. Do you think that the people in the land of Israel knew that Eli's sons were corrupt and scoundrels and wicked? Yes, the people in, in, in Israel knew what was going on. Do you think that Elkanah and Hannah, Samuel's parents, knew what was going on in Shiloh with Eli's sons and that they were wicked and corrupt? Do you think that Elkanah and Hannah, the parents of Samuel, knew what was going on in Shiloh with the priests, with Eli's sons? Yes, they did. Let me read 1 Samuel 2.22 again. It says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing. Who do you think was telling Eli what his sons were doing? The people in the town were telling Eli, Dude, you got to get your sons in order. They're, you got to put them in check. Look at what they're doing. They're causing all kinds of chaos, and it's happening in the house of God. It says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The people in the land of Israel knew that Eli's sons were fornicating with the women that came to church at Shiloh. The people in the community knew what was going on. I believe that Elkanah and Hannah actually knew what was happening in Shiloh with Eli the priest and his sons. And even though they knew that this was going on, Hannah still kept her word with God and dedicated and surrendered her son to the Lord, to Eli the priest in Shiloh. And we learn that it is in this environment that Samuel is now being raised in. Are you guys getting this picture? Samuel was being raised in a family and in a home that was very corrupt, that was breaking the law of God, that was allowing things to go on that were not right, that were evil, that were breaking the laws of God. And yet, Samuel was given over to this family and being raised by Eli the priest. He is being raised in a home and with a family that is disrespecting the offerings and sacrifices of God. He is being raised in a home and with a family that is allowing fornication and sexual sin to go unchecked. And church, I hate to say this, but it sounds like the majority of families here in Southern California. Parents who are not married raising their kids. Parents who say they are Christians and yet they are getting loaded on dope and they think nothing of it. Parents getting drunk on wine and getting drunk on beer and getting drunk on their margaritas and getting drunk on their shots of tequila and thinking nothing of it. Parents going out to clubs and dancing to secular music and hooking up and thinking nothing of it. Cursing and swearing and gossiping and backstabbing and dropping F-bombs and getting physically violent with each other and thinking nothing of it. Now, I can understand, believe me, I as a pastor, as a minister, can understand if people who do not know God act like this, people who do not have a relationship with God act like this, people who are not born again or claim to be Christians, if they act like this, I can understand because they don't know any better. But if the people of God are acting like this there's a problem now there's a problem because we are supposed to be God's holy people and this stuff is not supposed to be going on in our lives or in our homes 
And what's even sad, more sad about that is that all of this is being done right in front of our own kids. So we bring our kids to church and we share the word of God with them and we try to teach everyone what's right and what's wrong and what God says and then we go home and the parents act evil and wicked and speak terrible things and even curse out their own kids and yet we're supposed to be representing a holy God. I know this is not nice and this is not pleasant, but I have seen it and heard it with my own eyes and my own ears to my shame and embarrassment of people within our own church doing this in their homes and in their, with their kids. And it breaks my heart. It really does. Mainly for their kids. And I'm speaking to all of you kids out there, all of you teenagers out there that are orphans or foster kids or, have, or are in homes where this kind of madness is going on and you see it and it's in your face. I'm speaking to all of you adults that have been raised in the system as foster kids or orphans. And even though you're adults now, you carry in you terrible scars and memory, memories and trauma because of the horrible things that you have witnessed and experienced in your life. And sadly, some of, the th- some of these things you've actually experienced in your own home that was supposed to be a Christian home. Some of you out there as children have seen people murdered right in front of you. Some of you as children have seen your own parents on the floor and unconscious because they have OD'd. Some of you have seen your dad or stepdad or even a complete stranger beating up on your mom. Some of you have been in the middle of a drug raid by narcotics officers breaking down your front doors and having a shootout right there in your own house. I want you to know that this Bible story of Samuel as a young boy of two to four years of age, he is now living with a family that is completely messed up. Samuel is witnessing things going on that are ungodly, that are evil. Samuel does not have his dad. Samuel does not have his mom around him to love him or to encourage him or to even protect him. He is living in a house of of a stranger, someone that is not even a relative. And yet, listen to what Samuel did or what 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 18 tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, In spite of all this madness, in spite of all this chaos, in spite of all this pain, in spite of all this confusion, it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. But Samuel, even though he was just a boy, with all this stuff going on around him. He served the Lord. I want you to know if you're watching, and I want you to know if you're present here right now, in spite of your hurt and trauma and difficulties and scars and pain and past and all the madness that maybe you've gone through, I want you to know and I want to encourage you that with God you can still serve the Lord. Even when things are all chaotic around you, you can still serve the Lord. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. 
It doesn't matter if you're two years old, four years old, nine years old, 13 years old, 18 years old, 68 years old, or 96 year old, 96 years old, like Jill's mom. If God is with you, who can be against you? If God is with you and you're with God, you can serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for this example in the Bible of a young man named Samuel, who even though, Lord God, he was given over and surrendered over to a priest whose sons were wicked and corrupt and who disrespected your word and who violated your word. Lord, I'm speaking to everyone out there that is living in a similar situation. You may be out there part of a system in a stranger's home. Things that are going on that are foreign to you, that are scary to you, that are just out of control. And it's nothing that you did or deserved, but you're in it. I want you to know that if you call on God right now to help you, he will be there. Your mother may not be there. Your dad may not be there. Your relatives may not be there. But God can be there for you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, you are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord. If you're physically here, just lift up your hand and we will pray. I'm going to give a call out to you that are watching us online. I can't see you and I hope that you can see me. But I'm going to ask you the same question. If you're watching this and you've allowed bitterness and anger and hatred to settle into your heart and you want to get rid of it, you want to let it go, God can help you. I'm sure you're justified in your own mind in holding on to these things. But God says, no, no, no. you got to let that go. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I have a future for you. I have good plans for you. But you got to let me be your God. The Lord wants to connect with you right now. The Lord wants to connect with you. And if you want to connect with him, if you want to accept his invitation to connect with him, I want you to say this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm hurting right now. I'm confused right now. I'm upset right now. But I know that you are the answer to my brokenness and to my pain. And so tonight or this morning, I willingly surrender my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and my God. I know that I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. Adopt me into your family, the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to God. Amen.
He's a good father. He loves us. We're part of his family. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And I don't know about you, but I am glad I belong to the Lord here this morning. And now I want to pray for those of you that are here right now. Those of you that are watching online, you are Christians. You say you're Christians. You say you believe in Jesus. You say you believe in the Bible. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit now is reaching out to you and touching your heart and ministering to your heart. If you know, whether you're a parent or an adult, that you have not been representing the Lord in the right way, whether you're here physically or whether you're online, you say you're a Christian and you know in your heart that you've been doing things that you know are not right before the Lord. You've been compromising or acting in ways or treating people in ways or not being responsible. Listen, we need to go to God and ask us to get those things straightened out, to forgive us, but at the same time to help us to be better parents, to be better men and women of God that represent a holy God in this world that we live in. Are we in agreement, church? Can you say amen? Let's go before God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we bring this service to a close now, Lord, we need to put ourselves in check. We who say we are the people of God, we who say we believe the Bible and follow the Bible and, 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 and honor and respect the Bible, we have to put ourselves in check right now. And I pray right now, God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to examine each and every heart, even my own, Lord God. We give you permission. And Lord, we take time right now to ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for those times that we have made bad choices or made excuses or compromised or done things or said things that have violated your word. Forgive us, Lord. And help us to walk out of here, Lord God, determined in our minds and in our hearts that we're going to honor you with our words and with our actions as a people of God. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you, church. You're all dismissed.